we even do, we do free kind of happy visits too. If they come in and they're really stressed, we'll have the owner come back in and we'll say, okay, well, we'll just bring you into an exam room and just do treats and then let you leave. We won't even lay our hand on them the first time. And um, when we do those happy visits, there's, of course, there's no charge for that because in the long run, it makes the visits easier for everyone. If we just take the time to invest in them at the beginning and get them to where they feel comfortable with us, it just pays off in rewards, you know, 10 times down the road. Hey there, and welcome to STL Unleashed, St. Louis's number one podcast for pet parents and the place for all the cool kids to hang out. It is time for you to know who's who in the loo. I am your host, Janie Budnick, president and founder of Four-Legged Kids, St. Louis's number one dog walking and pet sitting service. Get ready for interviews about the people and places that can help you become a better pet parent because life with pets is life well lived. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode at STL Unleashed, where all the cool kids hang out and all of the amazing pet parents of St. Louis can get the best information about resources that we have. Uh, We are all passionate pet lovers in St. Louis, and this week I have brought to you Marcy Hammerly with The Pet Doctor out in St. Charles County. Welcome, Marcy. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, that's great. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah. So fill everybody in about what you do out there in St. Charles. Um, I am the owner and medical director of two hospitals. We have one in Winghaven and one in Cottleville. Um, We've been around in this area. I think the first one opened in 2004 and then Cottleville opened about two years ago. Wow. So now when did you graduate from vet school? 2003. Which school did you go to? I went to Mizzou, of course. Of course. Are you originally from St. Louis? I am. Um, I grew up in St. Charles, so been around in this area since my whole life. Okay, so the typical St. Louis question, what school did you go to? I went to high school at St. Charles West, and then I went to undergrad at UMSL and vet school at Mizzou. Awesome. Yes, I loved the vet school at Mizzou. I always wanted to go there. I was a vet school wannabe, but uh, got a little distracted because I was here in St. Louis and I met my husband. He was here. That vet school was there. And, you know, that was kind of the end of that dream. So still glad to be in the industry, though. So that is amazing. So uh, local St. Louis person, you know, only St. Louis people get that crazy question and know it's related to high school. (laughs) So did you go straight into your own practice or did you work for someone else as an associate veterinarian for a while? I worked as an associate for about a year right out of school. And then my clinic was initially a partnership with my first boss and we did it together for a couple of years. And then my husband and I bought him out and kind of made it our own. That's pretty incredible to jump into it. It's a lot to have your own practice. I think the majority of vets come out and they don't really envision having their own show and being a boss and a manager and an entrepreneur and and everything that goes with that. 
Yeah, you know, I was out recently with some girlfriends and we were all talking about our superpower, you know, what thing we think we're good at. And I decided that my superpower is that I have a high tolerance for risk. You know, like I just get these ideas and just kind of decide I'm going to go for it. And I just try to have confidence that it's going to work. Yes. um, That's sort of what I did with the clinics. So you're really like an entrepreneur at heart. I, I guess I must be. I don't know. I I think I'm good at putting a good team together. I think that's the part that has really been the most successful for me. Yeah. And I think that's probably one of the big highlights because we do have a lot of clients that we share in common. And that is what we hear all the time is that people like um, there's such a connection. It seems like it's more personal when clients come into or pet parents come into your clinic because it it has honestly been kind of built around that concept, hasn't it? I feel uh, like it definitely has that um, everybody's there for the right reason. You know, everybody's there because they want to advocate for our patients. Yes, um, I know. You know, I've only been to the Wing Haven, Wing Haven location and not the Cottleville. But now that Wing Haven location, what what year was that building built? Um, 2015, maybe, is when we built the building. Okay. And, you know, I mean, really, the the building, I mean, I know that in one of the things I wanted to talk to you about to, to share with everyone is your fear-free certification. We'll kind of go into that. But um, that's one of the things that I noticed when I first stepped into that Wing Haven location is it's really set up so very differently from a lot of veterinary clinics. And it's really built around that, that comfortable concept and, and a lot of it being the comfort for the pets when they come in the door. Share a little bit about kind of how, how that facility really honestly sets itself apart from, from a lot of what we have in St. Louis. Well, when we first were even thinking about building a building, there was a Fear Free hadn't really become a thing yet. And there was a white paper that they had put out about facilities and things you could do to make a building more pet friendly. And so luckily I was able to get my hands on that while we were still at a stage that we could make those changes. Um, It's everything from, gosh, we have separate entrances for cats and dogs. We have a side door. Like if a pet is really frightened, we can take them in the side door and kind of get into an exam room without even going through the lobby. Um, we have extra insulation around the exam room so that they don't hear other dogs barking or for cats, especially so they don't hear dogs barking. Um, we have the air exchanges or so that the smells don't linger so they aren't sm- smelling other pets as often. You know, just everything that we could think about dimmable lights, um, natural lighting coming into a few of the exam rooms, you know, everything that they spoke to as far as things that could help decrease stress on the pets. We tried to implement as many of them as we could. Yeah, I really, you know, I have cats myself. Actually, butterscotch keeps pawing at me underneath my computer here. So if I keep looking down, that's uh, for those of you, I do actually do a visual recording of this, not just the podcast. But yes, my butterscotch keeps trying to get my attention. But uh, so being a cat lover, I have for myself. That's one of those things that really uh, jumped out at me right away is the the specific cat rooms that you have and and that you have um, like condos, activity things for them, uh, for those that come in and they can be comfortable. And I know that um, you use some of the um, hormone, I uh, use the Fellaway. 
Yeah, the pheromone sprays, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I saw you have like all of that there available. So I'm sure with some of your clients, even who may have been uh, in different environments before, they're probably like, okay, what is all of this? So there is a lot of education that you can actually do with pet parents on how they can make their entire experience for their pets a lot less stressful. Um, what are what are some of the ways that you've really been able to to educate your clients about that? Well, I think for cats, we have so many appointments get canceled because owners can't get their cats in the crate. Mm. And so just talking to them about things they can do at home ahead of time, like give them treats in their crate, leave them just in a room with the crate with the door open and maybe some treats inside so that they will voluntarily go into the crate. A lot of people, I think they get their crate out and bring it in the room and the cat immediately runs away, you know, that they see the crate and they associate it with something bad. So we want to make that kind of a happy place. Let them sleep in it with a soft blanket if they want to put some treats or the feel away spray, something to make it where the crate is somewhere they don't mind going. Yes. Yeah. One of those things I know, um, you know, because we're fear free certified also is trying to help our clients on the front end, especially if they have kittens or puppies to just start doing some of those little things with their pets that that they're going to experience when they go to the vet, when they go to the groomer. So, you know, looking in their ears, playing with their toes, having them stand there and, you know, rubbing your hands down their sides and those kinds of things that if they don't really get that experience in a, in a relaxed environment and they come into the vet clinic, it's like, holy crap, what are you doing to me, woman? Right. And, uh, you know, it really puts them on guard. So um, so that is just really something that that is very proactive that pet parents can do for their pets to help prepare them for all of that. Is there's that some even, of the stuff you share? There's some great videos online about... Um, just gradually acclimating them even to a nail trim. Like first you just touch their foot with the clippers and give them a treat. And then maybe you would do one nail and give them a treat. And eventually you can get to the point where they'll let you do all of their toes, but you have to start with the smallest little success and reward them for it. Is that like a video that you know exactly what it's called? Cause I'd love to put that in the show notes for people. Um, I will find it and get that to you. That's perfect. So guys, I will make sure that's down in the show notes. So you can also start working with your pets. There's great information out there. And actually, you know, now that I didn't even think about mentioning that there is um, fear free. Oh, what is their pet parent website? Happy, fear free, happy, happy homes. homes. Yeah. Fearfreehappyhomes.com. I will drop that down there. Anyone that is listening can join that. There are amazing um, articles that are written, videos and things like that, that uh, I really enjoy and would definitely help you along with your pets too. Uh, so share with everybody a little bit about your uh, fear-free certification process, because you you kind of have a little feather in your cap of being the first fear-free certified practice in the world, Right. We were the first in the universe. We decided. The universe. We the universe. Yeah, <laughs> so um, I heard, you know, I, I heard that they were going to be doing this and I just decided that um, 
I wanted to be one of the first to do it. And then our SIVA, SIVA is who makes Feel Away and Adaptil. And our SIVA rep, I was like getting all the information about how to apply. And they were going to start applications at midnight one night. And I was literally sitting there with my finger hovering over the enter button. I had it all, my application all filled out, ready to push the button at 12.01 second after 12 o'clock. And so we were, you know, the first clinic to apply. And then they let us be the first one to go through the certification process. So they did come in and spent a whole day. Well, they spent a whole day videoing my clinic. They put cameras in the exam rooms and they um, kind of watched us at times that we didn't necessarily know that they were watching us. And then they came through, they read all of our protocols, kind of watched us interacting with pets for the day. And um, we had someone observing everything that we do to help us pass that certification. That is incredible. Um, yes, friends, let me tell you, the Fear Free organization has really gone out of the way to pick the best of the best, uh, to develop a program that it's intense. I, I went through the veterinary certification uh, myself, I don't know what, three, four years ago now. And um, so I had to I had to go through that entire section about all the pharmaceuticals. <laughs> it's uh, interesting when you're not a vet to take the veterinary certification, but um, that's what they started with. But now there's fear-free certification for um, dog walkers and pet sitters. So we do have that for our part of the industry. They have it for groomers. They have it for trainers. And their most recent has been for boarding and daycare facilities. So um, pet parents that are listening, you should probably check and see if your pet care professionals are fear-free certified, because that is not only is it a great education for them to have, but it is specifically there to help you and your pets have better experiences and just better lives in general. So would completely highlight checking that out. So I think that's wonderful that you have that in your practice because of course, Fear-Free Certified Practice Designation is not just saying that, hey, Dr. Hammerly is Fear-Free Certified. It is actually saying that you've gone above and beyond with your staff, right? Yes, all of my staff has to have gone through the certification and they all have. And a, a lot of them have really embraced it. We, with puppies and kittens especially, we do so many treats and rewards while we're doing their vaccines. It is like the highlight of my day if we get finished with their vaccinations and their owner's like, oh, did you give them? He didn't even react. Like that's my favorite. Yes, I know. I love that. And whenever you can see some of these guys that used to be so stressed out and um, you're just able to change that and, and de-stress them with, you know, lick mats and easy cheese and all the yummy little things that you can give just to make them think, hey, this is really, you know, nothing to, to be afraid of. And um, just all the opportunities I know that on that fear-free happy homes that that we deal with, of course, on our end with the pets in their home, like um, helping pet owners understand uh, noise phobias and how they can deal with noise phobias at home. And, um, you know, I mean, even, even understanding the, the differences in a fear-free clinic that uh, um, making sure that you don't have pets that are going into the back room that are getting all stressed out, being away from their parents. Um, and just all the things that you can really do now because you're approaching 
your veterinary practice, honestly, so much different than, I mean, I hate to say old school, but it also almost is like it's a complete transition in philosophy of treatment. We have a whole section in our medical record about their emotional well-being in the clinic. And if there's something that they dislike or something that they like better, like where do they want their exam done on the floor, on the table? Mm -hmm. Um, Are they better with their parents? Are they better away from their parents? What treats do they like? We have a whole kind of emotional medical record for the pets too, to help us so that the next person that sees them knows what their likes and dislikes are. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's no longer just, you know, mental mental health awareness for people. It's also with our pets because they they tell us so much. Um, you know, I mean, I you know, throwing myself under the bus. I mean, whenever I started out as a vet tech, I mean, this was 93 to 96, a long time ago. But yeah, it was the taking them to the back room. And yep, we're going to use three people to restrain you, to trim your nails and whatever it takes, we're going to get it done. This approach just honestly, you know, makes me look back and I feel terrible because I know it can be done better, but like most things in life, learn better, do better. Right. Right. And I think it's, we have, our techs are such great advocates um, just as far as like adamantly, we do not scruff a cat or we do not have more than one person. If we can't get them calm and their nails trimmed in about 10 seconds of kind of fussing with them, you know what I mean? If we're restraining them and we have to restrain them for more than 10 seconds, then Mm -hmm. we stop. And we'll either give them a break or we will ask the owners to come back at a different time and maybe give them a little bit of anxiety, anti-anxiety medication before they come in. Um, you know, there's just a lot of ways they can that we can do it. But if if we restrain them more heavy handedly, the next time they come in, they're going to be worse and worse and worse. And then they get to the point where no one can even touch them without it being stressful for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've never really done that in my clinic, the whole three people restraining a dog thing. Like I just that's never been our culture. And so I think that's why this was such a good fit for us just to learn all of the better ways to do things. Yes, I know. You mentioned, you know, having them come back with some sort of anxiety magic medication. Um, Because sometimes if you take a stressed out pet to the vet clinic, you get anxious. So I mean, it it, it escalates, you get anxious, because you know, oh my gosh, I'm buckling up for this horrible experience with my dog. And your dog feels that and they sense it. And then they're coming in the door and just the, the knowledge that, that I have now of understanding that um, pheromones, the hormones uh, in an anxious, stressed out dog, when they urinate on the way into the vet clinic, those smells linger and other dogs can smell that. And so, you know, it just, it benefits everyone whenever your dog or cat can go in just in that more relaxed knowing like, oh, man, this is the place where I go to get some really great snacks, right? These people love me and I get awesome treats here. So I think that's that's pretty incredible that that your entire philosophy, of course, matched that initially so well and that you've been able to establish that at both of your facilities. Uh, we even do we do free kind of happy visits too. If they come in and they're really stressed, 
we'll have the owner come back in and we'll say, okay, well, we'll just bring you into an exam room and just do treats and then let you leave. We won't even lay our hand on them the first time. And um, when we do those happy visits, there's, of course, there's no charge for that because in the long run, it makes the visits easier for everyone. If we just take the time to invest in them at the beginning and get them to where they feel comfortable with us, it just pays off in rewards, you know, 10 times down the road. That's incredible. I wish I was closer to you guys. <laughs> I'm sure you probably draw people from all over St. Louis, right? We I mean, do. it's not That's just St. Charles. We yeah. do. That is incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, you've just been such a, I mean, with this, such a leader and, and such a pillar in the community and even, of course, uh, statewide. So uh, I know um, it was what was it? Oh, gosh, I guess the beginning of the pandemic, um, you were actually elected as the president of the Missouri Veterinary Medical Association. Um, was it actually the first year of the pandemic or was it the year right before that? Well, it's a four year term. So it's like um, vice president, president elect, president and then board chair. And so it's a four year commitment. And 1920 that year is when I started. So being part of the pandemic. And then your second year, you plan the state conference, which I had always really looked forward to, except I got my whole conference planned and then we decided that we had to do it virtually. And virtually. so we had to kind of stop in the middle and replan everything to have a virtual conference. So that didn't really meet up to all my dreams and expectations. Um, and then I was really happy that we were be able to be back in person, you know, after that. So, Oh, I know, you know, same, same with our industry, our conferences being on hold and going virtual, just not the same thing. We, we love seeing our people and, and, you know, talking pets face to face, right? We're, uh, we're when you're in the pet industry, uh, we do things that are so, so personal, so heartfelt. We all have such big, generous hearts that, you know, we like being able to share those things together, giving big hugs. All because we're so we're so connected in what we do. So, I, you know, tell us a little bit more about what the Missouri Veterinary Medical Association does, because you, you don't hear a lot about those associations and knowing that you know, there's this whole group. You know, we all just go in and like, OK, here's our vet. We get done what we need to. They help us with our pets. But there's so much more behind the scenes that that goes on. Um, tell us a little bit more about, you know, some of the work that uh, Missouri Vet Medical Association does for the state? Well, I think the biggest thing is there are a lot of committees and um, just part, being part of any large professional organization. There's, um, for example, there's a practice staff committee that just meets and talks about um, observation levels for veterinary technicians and um, how to help them get the continuing education they need. Mm -hmm. There's um, animal welfare committees that talk about a lot of different legislative issues kind of facing animal welfare. Um, that's one thing that the state organization does is really heavily involved in legislation and what we support and what we don't support, um, kind of working on getting rid of any breed bans in our state, that municipalities can't ban just a particular breed of dog from living in their community and that things need to be based on 
um, behavior, you know, like maybe a three strikes you're out sort of a thing, not just, oh, because I'm a Rottweiler, you can't have that pet. Yes. Um, so there's just been a lot of legislative things that we've worked on that I think has been very important. Yes. Uh, and, you know, of course, I think a lot of people that because, you know, St. Louis, we're a you know, very populated area um, it, they probably don't consider that. Oh, yes, this is not just small animal. This is large animal. It is it is across the board um, that that they handle. So, you know, you're you've got I mean, how many veterinarians approximately are there in the state of Missouri? I feel like there's about. 4,000 maybe, oh my gosh. I, I might be completely making that number up, but um, of course, most people are either in the Kansas City, St. Louis areas, those are more heavy, heavily populated, so there's more per capita veterinarians in those areas, and then just sprinkled out through all of the small communities all over the state. Yes, so why did you, why did you choose small animal? Um, I think... I really thought I wanted to do mixed animal. I worked at a mixed animal practice before I went to school and it was really something that was interesting to me. Um, I like being able to develop, I don't know, those relationships with my patients. When there's dogs that come to you every year and you get to know them and they're like happy and excited to see you. Um, and then just the bond. I think that people definitely can have bonds with their large animals too, but I think it's maybe a different type of bond than they have with their cats and dogs that sort of live in their homes with them. I like being able to nurture that bond and help keep those pets happy and healthy and with their families as long as I can. Mm. Yes. And, and going through those like generations of pets that people have and the, the relationships that you have with just families that develop. Right. For sure. Over a lifetime. Yeah, I've got uh, the, I, I have a, a client who's been with me for 24 years. That's not great. That's the great same, feeling. not the same pets. Sure. <laughs> We're on different pets, but 24 years, you know, the kind of relationship, it's an extended family. It really is a complete extended family. There is a lot of emotion that goes into it and certainly a lot of emotion that goes into um, veterinary practice and, and the things that that you guys face on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, gosh, the challenges of the, the pandemic in the veterinary community, veterinary technicians, labor shortages. There's just been so much that's, that has happened over the past several years um, with mental health specifically. And I know how much that has impacted the entire pet industry and very specifically um, over the years, the, the veterinary industry. Um, there is an organization that I know you are involved in, um, Not One More Vet. It's NOMV. Can you tell us a little bit about that organization? I can. Um, unfortunately, the veterinary profession is one of the top professions at risk for suicide. And so veterinarians started to coming together just thinking about we don't want this to happen to one more vet you know so that's sort of where the name of that organization came from and it just focuses a lot on mental health and some of the stigma against getting help for mental health um, nobody really can figure out exactly why veterinarians are a higher risk profession um, 
from things like student loan debt to job stress. And honestly, even that we think about euthanasia so comfortably and that it's a relief of suffering and that it's a gift to be able to give that to a pet. You know, I think um, all of those things maybe play a role in why veterinarians decide to make a choice like that. Um, and so, you know, there's large groups of people just spending a lot of time thinking about what do we need, you know, to support veterinarians better. Yeah, and I really think that there's so much of a contributing factor of um, social media now. And some of just like the, the brutal things that can come across with social media and reviews. And um, many times when, you know, maybe somebody has an unfavorable experience, uh, they've got so much emotion. Of course, you, of course, we're totally emotional about our pets. And if something doesn't go the way that we would have hoped for it to, um, I mean, unfortunately, many people are looking for someone to blame, right? And that many times can fall on veterinarian or veterinary staff and can be a real lash out on social media. And for some reason, I don't know, people just sit around and wait for that kind of thing, but people start jumping on the bandwagon. And it can really, I can imagine that that would just be such a heartbreak for um, a veterinarian at a practice who that was never what was supposed to happen. And maybe you even had this massive emotion about what happened that what, you know, didn't go well with the pet, you know, uh, illness or whatever, and how much that would, that would weigh on you then when everybody just starts dumping on top of it. So I'm, I'm not a huge fan of social media in, in a lot of circumstances. And that's one of those in almost any industry that I see is, uh, would weigh on anyone. Yeah, I think that I can almost guarantee you that no veterinarian is in this profession for financial gain. Right. You know, I, I feel like they would have made a lot different career choices from the beginning if that's what was important to them. Um, I think, you know, what's funny is we have people that think that they shouldn't have to pay at all, like if their pet is sick or something. And if I had unlimited funds, I would be happy to take care of those pets. But we also have expenses and staff to pay and they all have families to feed and they need their paychecks too. And um, people want to make that into that we don't care about animals because we have to charge them for their surgery. And that's just not how, unfortunately, it's not how the world works. You know what I mean? Like you can't, because there's human health insurance and you go to the doctor and you just pay a copay and you have no idea how much that visit should have cost. Um, people expect that their veterinary visits shouldn't cost them anything either. And then they're kind of nasty about it sometimes. Yeah. Which is just really sad. You know, there's just, I mean, there is such a, an understandable expense that you have to have when you become a pet owner in the first place. And that just has to be factored in. It really right. does. Yeah. I think that I usually try to tell people if they can't easily figure out a way to come up with a couple thousand dollars, then they probably should get pet insurance, you know, because something with your pet at some point is going to happen and you're going to need to be able to come up with that amount. 
Right. What do you think about pet insurance? You know, off the cuff question here. Obviously, you mentioned it. So uh, you're a believer. I am. I think um, there are quite a few plans where the owner has to pay the veterinarian and then get reimbursed by the insurance company, which can still also be hard for people sometimes. But I do think that the companies pay pretty well and they cover a lot of things. You just have to carefully look at your plan and make sure that it covers all of the things you would want it to cover. But Mm -hmm. I do think that it's probably important to have it just in case your pet has an illness or injury that would otherwise be unaffordable for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of those things that, you know, considering I, you know, I'm in the medical field myself that I've noticed after over 25 years of doing this, that uh, 25 years ago, um, it was never a huge consideration of going to extreme levels uh, for medical care, for cancer treatment for your pets. Um, And because the medical field has advanced so much, the veterinary field is advancing so much. And now we're able to do all of these things for our pets that we couldn't before. And that creates a real tension because now it does become a big financial consideration. I mean, it was like, oh, you know, you've got carcinoma in your cat's throat. Well, there's not much that we can do. Well, now it's okay. Well, we can do surgery. We can do cancer treatment. And this is what it's going to cost. So it's a, it's a painful place for pet parents to be in, to feel like they have to make a decision based off of funds you know, comparing money to here's my my sweet baby and, and how am I supposed to make this decision? And um, I know it's equally difficult for veterinarians to present those options because you, you know that like, uh, you know, I mean, we can, but there's a price to it. So because, um, gosh, back then it was, oh, well, if you want really anything done, you have to take your pet to Mizzou because that's where those things are done. So there was a trip involved. And now we've got so many specialists. Um, I just, I've been amazed to see how so much has developed in the veterinary industry, but that has kind of created a little bit of um, mm, difficult decisions for a lot of people. I know it's tough. I have a diabetic kitty myself and, you know, you you just have to make those decisions. And, And some people just don't have the ability to. Yeah, something like a diabetic pet, it's a financial decision, but it's also, gosh, I even think about my family's lifestyle. And if we had to do an injection exactly 12 hours apart, how many days a week are we home Mm -hmm. 12 hours apart? You know, we would have to change our whole lifestyle to accommodate that. And in some families, it's just unfortunately, they just, they can't manage something like that. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of changes that have to be made with that. So, you know, it's kind of a two-edged sword. We can do so much for them, but we can do so much for them. Yeah. Oh, it's kind of a flip side of the coin there. That is amazing. Well, gosh, I just appreciate you coming on. I just knew people needed to know a little bit more about you, the amazing clinics that you have available. Again, they are located Winghaven. I will make sure I drop this in the show notes if people want to look up your information. Um, You have a website, of course. We do. It's www.thepetdoctorinc.com. Okay. Even that. Do you have resources on there for for pet parents? We do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's perfect. And then you have your Cottleville location also. 
That is so great. I'm going to put all of this down there for people to check you out and learn more about you. I will put some links down there um, for Fear Free so they can learn more about Fear Free certification. And then I'm sure there is, is there a website for Not One More Vet? There is. Um, I unfortunately don't know the URL for it, but oh, it's okay. I'll look it up. Not one more, yeah. but I'm sure. No, I'll look it up. I'll put it in the show notes because, you know, I definitely know there's going to be some people that are going to want to understand that a little bit better because that statistic is, I, I would have never thought that it would be one of the highest ranking professions. But I do know that, that you guys deal with a, a lot, a lot every day. So thank you. I appreciate you. I know your clients appreciate you. And absolutely the precious pets you take care of appreciate you too. Well, thank you. I can't imagine doing anything different. So yes, I know you were made for this, right? That's right. Thank you for listening to this episode of STL Unleashed. Check out the show notes below for any links mentioned in this episode. If you are needing dog walking and pet sitting yourself, check out our website at fourleggedkids.com. And as always, if you have a warm heart for another cold nose, make sure to support our local pet rescue. A few can go, some can give, but all can share.